Well, you can talk about films with a philosopher's zeal, or measure them all by box office appeal. But for once in your life, be real. Welcome, one and all, to a freeform Oscar week edition of Be Real. Guys, it is your movie reviewing and reappraising podcast. We're not reappraising anything today, except maybe the public opinion that's come about in the last month or so. Um, my name's Chance Stolen Pfeiffer. I'm Noah Ballard. Uh, we're two guys attempting to be uh, real. Yes. So. With two E's. Yeah, uh, which may be a challenge considering um, I we're going into this. I haven't seen even all the Oscar movies, but I have opinions on most of them. There's going to be some uh, some leading questions, some trivia, um, some weird little stats and trends that I put together. So uh, if you've seen the movies for the 89th Annual Academy Awards coming up this weekend from the Dolby Theater in Hollywood, California, you're in the right spot. What a plug that you were not compensated for. <laughs> so, buddy, what Sir. is what's your relationship to the Oscars? Um, it's sort of like I treat the Oscars sort of the same way I treat maybe like Yom Kippur. It's it's something that like I don't necessarily want to participate in every year, but like I do because it's part of my religion. <laughs> I really like that. You had that one locked and loaded. That was just off the top of my head, frankly. Great. Well, then. Yeah, but it's always like sometimes it's better than others, but it's mostly like tough. It's mostly like a three hour thing that like, you know, thank God I can eat during the Oscars because, you know, it's it's often boring. It's always long. Um, It always goes like there's a couple like usually there's like a couple of like that was nice and like that it won a, an award and usually mm-hmm. like somebody says something that politically I already agree with sure and um yeah and then usually the i finds the not best picture wins best picture and sometimes like out of completely nowhere for people who follow film it's very frustrating cuz it seems like it has more potential than something like the grammys right like the grammys are just too myopic to put their arms around like the breath of contemporary music the oscars can still kind of pull that off when it comes to american film you know so like that's the thing the grammys i think are pretty tacky sure and they like know that they're tacky but the oscars believe themselves to be like it is the awards show it is the you know even if it maybe it is maybe it isn't i don't know ratings wise if it's the one that people i assume it's the one that people watch the most right um, I but, think so. But people hold it in our in American society and maybe in international sort of film society. They consider the Oscars to just be this incredibly important thing. And like it it isn't really. It's right. just as stupid as any other award show like given by the industry that makes those awards. Right. It's and it's a constant source of frustration, I think, for people that like fancy themselves like pseudo film critics or like at least people who like want to see all these movies and talk about how good they are. Cause it's like, it's something that like, you know, it doesn't matter. You tell yourself a million times, you can make it your mantra. The Oscars don't matter. The Oscars don't matter. The Oscars don't matter. But when it comes to the week before the Oscars, 
you call up Noah and you want to talk to him about these movies. Right, absolutely. Well, I think what's interesting about the Oscars, too, is it gives people like you and me, as you were just saying, a venue in which to be, like, very upset. <laughs> because, like, the Oscars are inevitably, like, super disappointing every single year. Yeah. Like, no one has ever, like, they're always saying, like, you know, like, oh, if we can get back. No one was ever a good host of the Oscars. Everyone was just a disappointing host of the Oscars. Not, since, I would say, not since Johnny Carson. Not since Johnny Carson. Not since like like maybe first couple of years, Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Has anyone been like truly good? But that's sort of like what's frustrating about the Oscars is that like to be a good host of the Oscars, you need to like buy into just like how prestigious like this thing is. But because the viewing public like doesn't really believe that and wants to be entertained not by the sheer sort of like glamour of it, but by an original piece of like television programming, it's impossible to do both. It's true. And so straddling that line so excruciatingly makes for often like just pretty boring television. I agree. And that's part of why, if anyone cares about this, I think Kimmel could be pretty decent this year because everyone in the crowd's going to like him. He's not a song and dance person. He's not a big performer. He's just going to kind of like get up there and like talk a little bit, poke some fun, point some fingers. And you saw last year with Chris Rock, the thing people always forget is how goddamn long this ceremony is. So everyone's like, Chris Rock, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And he says eight minutes of things and he doesn't talk the rest of the night. Like doesn't matter who's hosting unless you're just like a room worker. So should we get into the field for uh, 2016? Yeah. What do you want to, what do you want to talk about here? It was a... Both, I would argue, a pretty, like, interesting year for pushing certain genres and then, like, also a very reactionary years and, like, other things that got a lot of critical acclaim. Sure. Um, Is there anything that you're rooting for? Let's start there. Anything you're pulling for? Moonlight. Same. Moonlight's the only thing I'm really pulling for, just going through the... um, going through the list here, at least in the best picture category, because I feel like everything on it, like other than that sort of, for me has like a minus sign next to it. Like in some sense, in some sense. Um, or I just simply like, it feels like filler. Yeah. Like lion, I'm sure is a great film, but like, I'm probably not going to see it. And it probably like, isn't as good as these other eight. Yeah. Right. I'll, I bet it's so based on a true story, good, bad. Have a nice, right. li- have a nice life, Lion. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, and like, I'm not gonna root for Hacksaw Ridge. Like no. Mel Gibson directed that movie, and you know that they were ashamed of Mel Gibson because in the promos it said not from director <laughs> Mel Gibson. It said from the director of Braveheart. <laughs> we joked about that before. From yeah, the face of like- Payback, we don't remember his <laughs> name. <laughs> from the guy who certainly didn't say something anti-Semitic when he got pulled over for drug driving. Oh, man. Um, uh, yeah. And then, like, yeah, go ahead. So I just wanted to make a point about uh, Moonlight really quick. We did a, a a pretty, a mini pod that was almost not mini. We raved about Moonlight for so long uh, right. when it came out back in uh, October. But one of the things I think is so amazing about Moonlight is it's now made... million, like, evenly over the course of, like, a four-month span. Like, it's, it's without any commercial presence. I wanted to read you this list of 2016 movies that Moonlight has made more money than. Uh, Movies with big studio, with studio backing. It's made more money than Bad Santa 2, Keeping Up with the Joneses, 
Live by Night, which Warner Brothers spent so much money on, Triple Nine, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, Free State of Jones, Bridget Jones's Baby, and Snowden. Like, in a completely grassroots effort, Moonlight has, like, out-hustled these, like, movies, sure. like, studios throwing stuff at the wall. It's an impressive feat. Even, like, after it got some uh, critical push, I would still say that it was really only advertised in, like, major markets. You know that uh, that 30 Rock joke where Tracy Jordan uh, stars in the Academy Award nominee Hard to Watch? Um, <laughs> Moonlight is not hard to watch. It's, it's surprisingly no. sort of... Uh, it's a quiet character study about a person with a re- like a rough life, but right. it's not like grief porn or no. like poverty porn. Yeah, it's not Beasts of No Nation by any means. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about Beasts of No Nation when I was <laughs> writing this stuff today. Oh man, how you took it to task? Called it bad, bad, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, if, if there's any, like, really, like, indie one that I'm pulling for this year, I mean, other than Moonlight, it would have to be Hell or High Water. So this is another one I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Do you, cons- do you find Hell or High Water in this field to be a refreshing addition or completely out of place? Guess it could be both. I think it feels, it feels like this year's, like, maybe it'll win best original screenplay or something. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's really competing maybe for that category. It's certainly not going to win best picture. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I was expecting it to be a little bit more of an action movie when I watched it and found it to be like kind of a thoughtful, you know, short story of a movie about these two brothers and their, you know, relationship and their attempts to save like their idea of the American dream. Mm hmm. And it has two, like, it got a pretty good performance out of Pine and, a, I mean, um, what's his name, the brother? Ben Foster. And Ben Foster's, like, always a revelation, even if he doesn't, like, pick the best projects. Right. Yeah. He has, really has a way, shameless plug, I wrote about this for Pop Matters this week, uh, about how Ben Foster just, like, elevates these actors next to him who are otherwise, like, pretty boring. He just right. comes in and he's kind of crazy and he, like, makes them up their game. And the movie that yeah. probably kills him for it, but yeah. Did you watch um, that uh, Da Vinci Code sequel? Um, Inferno. No. Inferno. Did you? Uh, yeah, I've seen it twice now. What? Just incidentally, <laughs> I've seen it twice now. Incidentally, <laughs> once because my brother wanted to watch it, so we watched it, and then like I was watching. Uh, oh, I was watching Girl on the Train on the airplane to San Francisco, but it was that movie's so boring. Yeah. So I ended up just watching Inferno again on the back of the person next to me, their TV monitor. And Foster's like a geneticist who wants to end. Oh, he is just a man who wants to watch the world burn. <laughs> is he entertaining um, in that role? Certainly. He gives a, an incredible performance in an otherwise ludicrous film. Great. Yeah. That's maybe I would say that that would be my uh, of the movies I've seen the the front list movies I've seen this uh, this year I would have to say that that was the worst Inferno the, just one of the most disappointing films I think I've ever seen sure like um, with the cast and it's it's Ron Howard for fuck's sake right like wh- what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> it's just a real overestimation I think of interest in. The reason everyone went and saw Da Vinci Code was not... It was for the, the code. It wasn't for Da Vinci. <laughs> it was, certainly wasn't for Robert Langdon. Uh, <laughs> Don't try to make the Robert Langdon mysteries. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Hell or, Hell or High Water just strikes me as interesting because it it feels like sort of a movie from another time that's elevated into this category by virtue of being pretty good, if not if not very good, but you know, Hollywood's sort of like missing its well-written middle class these days. And so for one to pop up, it's just like, oh, we better really give this a nod. Right. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good point. I think it, it found itself in sort of an otherwise like pretty bad year for movies. And because it isn't, I mean, I think it's good. Don't get me wrong. And I think we gave it a good good, right? Or did we talk about it? We didn't, but I think it's good good. I would give it a good good. Yeah, it's not amazing, um, but it's good It's good. not a it's not the best picture of 2017 <laughs> no. or 2016. No. And if it and had it come out in April, it would not be anywhere near these lists. No. You hear about these bank robberies? You may get to have some fun before they send you off to the rocking chair yet. I may have one hunt left in me. <laughs> Mama, in that bit a while. Three months. Bank breathing down her neck. Everybody get on the ground! been here for a while long enough to watch the bank getting robbed has been robbing me for 30 years how do you manage to stay out of prison for a year it's been difficult i have a question for you our first sort of like trivia question to lead us to a point yeah is there a movie in this year's oscar field that has made 150 million dollars let me look at the list 150 yeah um I'd say no, but if there was one, my guess would be Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures is very close. I'm picking a pretty arbitrary number here, but I think uh, you know, a hundred a hundred million is a hit, and if you're over 150, you're a pr- you're pretty well like in the culture. This is the right. first year um, since they expanded the Best Picture field uh, from five in after 2008 that there is not a 150 million dollar movie. Interesting. Which strikes me as a byproduct of the fact that we sort of stopped talking about this after summer and early fall, but in terms of like the big money movies, last year remained a bad year for blockbuster films. Yeah. And I I think when you look at like what has sort of like jumped into the best picture category in recent years like they expanded it because they wanted love for dark knight everyone saw dark knight couldn't get a best picture nomination right um, and so they expanded it and then like let movies like gravity and the martian and then and just these- stopped uh, yeah they stopped uh, making good movies <laughs> right and some of those tarantino movies kind of like jump in there and right. create some crossover appeal but this year i th- these are all movies that i think have been successful by virtue of their proximity to the oscar conversation yeah, I'm surprised that Silence didn't find itself on this list. It's just just because it's a boring Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah, it's weird. You would have thought maybe not one of these. Uh, what do you think? What is your most surprising um, nomination? Do you think for Best Picture or any of them? Yeah. Um. It can be pleasant or disappointing surprise. I have sort of a pleasant surprise. I have to say, and I'm I'm nearly alone in this opinion. Um, I found Hidden Figures to be an inadequate movie. Like, oh, there's really, no doubt in my mind. Really, not very good in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it. Well, it's a movie about black women doing great things with no meaningful point of view through the eyes of the black women. 
It's right. like a, a movie calibrated through the eyes of white America. But right. like that can't explain quite why the figures were hidden. Well, then why did you make the movie? You know what we're doing here? We're putting a human on top of a missile, shooting him into space, and it's never been done before. I need a mathematician that can look beyond the numbers. Math that doesn't yet exist. Before the Russians plant a flag on the damn moon. You have someone? Running what I'm playing. Catherine's the gal for that. She can handle any numbers you put in front of her. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> this would be like a, a fun category to do, like maybe just for the two of us and maybe you forget to record or something. But these sort of like later Kevin Costner, like racial question movies. Well, that's, yes, that's like the big was the big tip of the hand was I was just like, I if the big question is, is this a white savior movie? You are not like it doesn't bode well for you that Kevin Costner is in it because those are the movies right. he loves. right. You know, and then what was that one he did where he had to like raise that, the, raise the black daughter? Black or white. That, Very that nuanced title's title. a little bit too under the nose. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Which one surprises you the most? Do you have a pleasant surprise? Yeah, I think my pleasant, pleasant surprise was Arrival. Yeah. Because I don't think Arrival is the best movie of the year by any means. No, but I know I th- you don't. But I thought it was, it's admirable because like it's, thank God, like a smart science fiction movie. Sure, sure. And I just feel like we have, it's like since really like the mid to late 90s, we've sort of lost, like Roland Emmerich has like taken over the science fiction, like filmmaking community. And we're not getting <laughs> those quality films. But then you have like this one, like Ex Machina, like a lot of sort of interesting, smart sci-fi stuff that's not, that the explosion is literally the camera is pushed away from the explosion. So we don't see it. Let me ask you this. Let's hear it. What movie in this field do you think we'll look at 15 years from now and be like, what the hell is that? Because, you know, you have the experience. If you are clicking through the Oscar Wikipedia pages, as I find myself doing from time to time, there will always be some movies that appear like three or four times in a list of nominees. And you're like, what in God's name is Reversal of Fortune or Kiss of the Spider Woman <laughs> or right. Iris? Like, what are these movies? Yeah. That, like, like, in- did Sandra Bullock really win an Oscar for the blind side? <laughs> so, yeah, what nominees are like, what results do you think we would look at in 15 years? Be like, that, that was a mistake. Frankly, I think like after this year, after it has like a video on demand life, I frankly just don't think we're going to look back at La La Land with any, like, it's not going to, people are in 15 years are going to, it's just, it's going to be like, oh, do you ever see ordinary people? It's like, <laughs> nah, but I hear that's pretty good. You're a real bastard because my answer to this was Manchester by the Sea because I think it will be okay. like ordinary people and we'll be like, Lucas Hedges might be your Timothy Hutton. Um and it's just like this grief-ridden movie that people sort of thought they had to see, but like nobody right. watched again. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know that I can see. Like, I haven't seen Manchester by the Sea because, like, I haven't been in a state of mind to like watch a movie about like sad people doing sad things. Right. Right. Um. um but, but I cut, I'll see I cut it this you week. off. What about La La Land? Oh, I just don't think like what's interesting about it right now is the novelty of it, but I think. You know, you'll probably see another musical in the next couple of years. You know, someone will like 
see what Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals we have left to like make, you know, just because you saw the resurgence of this, you know, just when you saw like maybe into the woods, like raise that question of like, Oh, are musicals doing anything? I don't know, man. I mean, we have disagreed on La La Land kind of from the jump, but I think that this is the cementing of Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling's like level A movie stardom. I think it will forever appear in their top four IMDb posters. You think so? I do. Interesting. Because I think it's a movie that relishes in their movie stardom. It's like the biggest card it has to play. Right. But I don't know that like once people... I think like once they move on to sort of doing safer projects, which they probably will now. Sure. Um, you know, though I am really looking forward to the Blade Runners sequel. Oh yes. Yeah, that's um, gonna be. But by the guy who did Arrival, that's gotta be good, right? Villeneuve, Denis. Denis. Um, <laughs> that's gotta be great. Um, I think you're the thing about La La Land though is there, and people are have pointed this out already. Is like it's there's just not deeper level people will not do plot reappraisals of that movie for the next five years the way people seem to write about no country for old men still every 10 like 10 minutes right there's no deeper level to engage with that movie right i think it'll be yes an influential film but ultimately you know it doesn't have that it's not going to be singing in the rain or uh an american in paris in like 15 years Mm. i think it's just going to be a movie that like snobs like us remember fighting about and then think about when we see future Ryan Gosling or Emma Stone movies, but ultimately the mainstream in 15 years will have no idea what that movie is. A movie that I find myself in a weird position riding for that I think could maybe gotten a little more love uh, here is, is Jackie which is a movie that was really like hard to watch. Like it might very well be good, bad because it's just a woman in grief. Um, but as an artistic statement of like cinematography and look and the way that Portman acts for the camera in that movie and the visual is inextricable from her performance. It's one of the more like coherent artistic visions. I think of in a movie this year. Sure. I was, so I was sort of weirded out. Pablo Lorraine did not get uh, a best director. Nom. Maybe you could kick Melvin Gibson out of that category. Where? What did he get nominated for? Best director. For, but which for? Uh, for Hacksaw. For, oh, Melvin. I was like, who the hell's that? <laughs> I don't think his name's actually Melvin. Melbourne Gibson. <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> uh, Melanie. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, which of these do you find dumber about the Oscars? The fact that our acting categories are still divided by gender, which no one can give me a good explanation for, like, why that's just still accepted. Or that they still cannot figure out the difference between a lead and a supporting performance. Wait, let me look and see what I, if I can see what you're talking about. Oh, this year? There's, I think there's just one really glaring one this year. Uh, what, Viola Davis? Yes. The famous line in the movie is, I've been standing with you. It's her movie, too. She stands with him. She's a leading actress in that movie. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I just think the acting categories are just so weirdly structured. I agree with what you're trying to get at. I don't know which is dumber. I think they're equally dumb. They're both pretty dumb. 
Yeah, but I don't know how I would. How would you break them up? What's your What's your million dollar idea? Um. Well, I would definitely get rid of the gender construct right away. It's not like It's not like they're MMA fighters. Like they're doing the same job. Like they they don't right. have to be divided by gender. Yeah, they're not in like weight classes. No. Um. What would you? How would you do them? By age? By budget? Like you'd need something. I think... Or just award four best actors every year? That could be fun. I think... I like that the... Just take a whole pool of people? The Critics' Choice Awards do, like, a young actor for people under 20, which I think is an interesting category. Oh, yeah. That way you don't get weird stuff like Lucas Hedges potentially taking away Mahershala Ali's well-deserved supporting actor Right, uh, or that girl from Whale Rider. Right. She's on Game of Thrones now. She's still working. That's right. It took a minute. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't mind if they divided by genre, like the Golden Globes do. If they could pull their shit together and not call the Martian a comedy. What was the musical? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all remember Matt Damon humming to himself as he lost his mind. Right. Uh, life on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> City of Mars. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It just the Viola Davis <laughs> thing. It just drives me. Um, yeah, that's it drives that's me funny. up the no. wall. And I was looking for the worst examples of that in history, and I still don't think I don't think there is. Well, okay, so the, the Anthony Hopkins one is almost just like trivia bait, right? That he won Best Actor for being Hannibal Lecter for fourteen minutes or something. Right. But the dumbest one. I will go to my grave. Ethan Hawke as a supporting actor in Training Day. He's the protagonist of that film. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it's because, I mean, just because of the marketing campaign. It's not best supporting actor in the marketing campaign. Exa- yes. It's, it's best supporting actor in the film. Yeah, but and that's you know, like, well. Go ahead. No, you say it. I think that I think the way to, to fix that is and think something that would make the supporting actor category so much more interesting is just to put a time cap on it. Who's best with less than... 17 minutes of screen time and then you get these truly like heat check performances like william hurt and history of violence or something and then we can actually like uh give an award for most actor <laughs> yeah that's what we want we want our mo- our least and most actors every year <laughs> least actor who gets to people Maybe who don't try like the- well, it'd be like ERA. It'd be like how many, you know, I bet like J.K. Simmons would win a lot. You know, he's like oh, in sure. 15 movies a year, but he's only in them for four minutes each. I got you. I got you. So you'd have to like hit a, a low threshold of how many movies you were in a year, but least least actor. Right. Right. Um, this leads me to, I think, my last trivia question, because it would be a damn shame if we went a single podcast without talking about the patron saint of our podcast, Nicolas Cage. Uh, how many times has Nicolas Cage been up for uh, an acting nomination, Noah? Your best guess. How many times? Yeah. Uh, well, he's won an Oscar, so it's at least one. You're correct. Um, and I want to say Moonstruck. That is what I thought. He was not nommed for Moonstruck. He was nommed for an adaptation. adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Two times that man. So just the just just the twice. Yeah, I thought he might have I thought Moonstruck for sure and then I thought maybe he like snuck in there weirdly for like raising Arizona or something. Right. But now Now he's no longer interested in the Oscars simply because they don't offer a meal during the proceedings. <laughs> <laughs> 
We should have given an award for rudest podcast host. (laughs) Poor guy. Um, Man, I don't know if I have anything else written down. Anything else you need to get off your chest? Any sort of snubs that you like want to talk about or snubs? I was surprised that uh, I'm glad it didn't, but I'm surprised that Snowden didn't get a couple things. Oh, like a like a Jogo best actor, no? like a Jogo or like you know something insane like Reese Eifen's best supporting actor or something. You know what would be an interesting acting category is just best impression like the actor in a given year who just like did the best impression of a person who exists and who's that well i think jogo would have been up for it but natalie portman would definitely win that this year oh, okay Jackie. oh you mean embodying a historic figure sure yeah but it's like a, diff- a different kind of acting you know yeah can what do you think is the most um like just hard to, I mean, besides like short subject documentary or like foreign language short or whatever, um, what do you think the most like sort of bizarre, like I, I have no idea who's going to win that. Like you have no opinion on it. You've maybe like seen, the interacted with the least amount. Best sound mixing is a weird category because the nominees. Well, that's like, I was going to ask you what category do you understand the, like the category the least? <laughs> I think it could be best sound mixing because I think, this seems to is that imply the levels? that it's just like who does the best explosions, like who did the best job of making an explosion come to the level of dialogue. Yeah, um, that's a weird one. What about like, you? Well, I just didn't have a moment during thirteen hours. The Secret Soldiers <laughs> of Benghazi, where I was like, you know what, this was good sound mixing. But I don't even understand what that is. It the levels, like how loud things were compared to like how soft other things are. Because I think sound editing is the actual like finding and like cutting of the sound. Yeah, like sound design, kind of. Right. So what is sound mixing? I think sound mixing is just like you recognize it when it's bad, like when you're watching Perfect Storm and you have to turn it up to a (laughs) hundred to hear them talk, and then down to twenty when the the ocean is raging. Right. Watched Perfect Storm have won uh, Best Sound Mixing or whatever in 2000. But that's a good right. question. So let's get down to it. Who? Let's do our like our, our big five here. Predictions. Great. Um, starting with supporting roles. Uh, sure. Um, the tr- Truly the award that I care about the most. I know I've texted you this. If Mahershala Ali does not win Best Supporting Actor for playing Juan... I don't know what we're considering like good acting. Right. But um, I think he will win. So that's for best supporting role yeah, for, for men. Yeah. I want him to win too. And yeah. I think he should win. But I'm going to say that they give it to like maybe Jeff Bridges. He doesn't need that award. I know. Oh, I'm not saying they should give it to Jeff Bridges. For just playing his true grit character in the 21st century. Yeah. You boys Robin Banks. (laughs) You could be up for best best Jeff Bridges. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to say I'm rooting for for Ali, but I think that Bridges gets it. All right. Um, 
I think Viola Davis runs away with supporting actor. I mean, I think that's the reason they put her in that category because they want to give her an award and they think she's going to crush it, but they, they don't want her crushing Meryl Streep. Um, yeah, I'll go with Viola Davis on that one. But again, I would not be surprised if like a Michelle Williams wins. She's great in that movie. I mean, and in three scenes, she is, she's deserving of the best supporting actress and Viola Davis belongs in the lead actress category. Yeah. Um, so lead actress thoughts. Um, I think I, as much as I don't like this movie, I think Emma Stone, she's going to win. She's going to win. Uh, upon my third theatrical viewing of that film, by the way, Noah, um, I determined that Emma Stone really probably is much better than Ryan Gosling in that movie. Oh, because as I said, it's Ryan Gosling doing his best Ryan Gosling impression. Sure. Charming his way through a movie mm-hmm. where she clearly didn't show up to most of the uh, sort of practices for us. So they're like, ah, it's mumblecore. You don't have to sing or dance. You had to learn the piano. Oh, yeah. That's great. Uh, Something millions of people know how to do. Perfect. I'm glad Ryan Gosling could take it down in a few weeks. I agree. Emma Stone. Uh, best actor? Let me ask you this. Just like an aesthetic question. Just mm-hmm. not not politically charged any kind. And you saw Fences. Sure. Was it any good? It's good. It's, but um, is it like, it looks like it should be Denzel like competing with iconic Denzel roles, but is it actually? What law is there say I got to like you? None. All right then. Don't you eat every day? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't you eat every day? Yeah. As long as you're in my house, you put a sir on the end of it when you talk to me. Yes, sir. You eat every day. Yes, sir. Got a roof over your head. Yes, sir. Got clothes on your back. Yes, sir. Why do you think that is? Because of you. <laughs> Hell, I know it's because of me, but why do you think that is? Because you like me? Like you. There's a way in which he humbles himself, which you have not seen him do in a long time, since like the second act of Malcolm X, possibly, or the end of sure. the end of Flight. Um, but there is, there is just something so weird about it. Like it, it has no desire to leave its theatrical mode. And so you like, you watch the first 40 minutes and you're like, when is this going to slow down and become a movie? Right. And it never does. Interesting. But I still think it's pretty good. Yeah. I should see that. And I should see Manchester by the sea too. Um, I don't know. I think Hollywood's like pretty Hollywood's pretty quick to forgive a whole manner of sins. White dudes. And I think a whole manner of white dudes. Um so I think that Mr. Affleck probably has it. Um though you know, give it up for Andrew Garfield for signing up for like a war movie shoot with Mel Gibson. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I hear and that Vince Vigo Vaughn. was really... Oh, God. And I heard that Vigo was pretty good. He is good in that movie. Um, that's going to be one where people look at it in 10 years and be like, what the f- hell was Captain Fantastic? Um, yeah. That's a good... Is that, the, is that the Wes Anderson movie with the foxes? <laughs> um, yeah, that movie's really enjoyable because Vigo's the only one who could play that role. I can't think of another actor who can play like intellectual dad who's forced his kids to live in the wood as a rejection of capitalism like better than Vigo yeah. Mortensen but yeah. like down the stretch like he's not challenged by that part right it's sort of like Harrison Ford in Mosquito Coast <laughs> <laughs> um, no I don't think it's like that at all but <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> that's kind of what he does he takes them to he takes his family like away from western society 
to raise them on the titular mosquito coast. Oh, well, yeah, but you don't think that's like a given part for Harrison Ford, the way it is for Viggo Mortensen. Um, I mean, Ford looks more confused than anything as to why he's there th- for through most of that movie. Right. But yeah, Vigo definitely looked like, at least from the trailer, that he's he probably done through. that. Right. And that's probably, they just said like, hey, can we bring a camera to your home <laughs> and see how you live? Just right. keep being yourself. Um, best picture? I don't think there, I mean, I Moonlight is very, very, very deserving of that award, but I just don't think there's any way La La Land doesn't win. In my mind, Moonlight was this year's, of what I saw, this year's best picture. Agreed. Um, I think La La Land was this year's best Oscar movie. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're playing by the rules of the Oscars, then like it's going to win. It's a movie about movie people. Yeah. You know, starring movie people mm-hmm. that movie people also like yeah. doing a thing that movie people have missed, which is making movie musicals. <laughs> yep. So I think it'll win for best movie. But as far as best picture goes, yeah, I, th- I think it was Moonlight. But yeah, it's there's no way in hell that La La Land's not going to win. My friend, anything else? No, uh, I'm glad that we have like an audio record of what we predicted now, so we can give each other a lot of shit after we're both like horribly wrong. Yeah, do you want to uh, hop on the Be Real Guys Twitter account where people can follow us and make fun of the Oscars on Sunday, maybe? A hundred percent. We could we could live tweet it. Yeah, um, I think we'll do that. So yeah, find us at, at uh, Be Real Guys on Twitter with two E's. Uh, listen to this show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and. Uh, Thanks for listening to us talk shop this week. Noah? Sir? Happy uh, Oscar week with uh, all misgivings in tow to you and yours. We'll get back to your regularly scheduled program next week to get back to uh, a more rigid structure, I would say. It couldn't be less rigid than this. I'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. And the Oscar is awarded to Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Thank you.